A Pitch for Change is a podcast about what it takes to create a successful business that also has a positive social impact. I'm Amanda Capito. This is episode two. Hopefully you've already heard episode one, but if you haven't, I'm going to say stop right here and go back to the beginning. We're telling this story in order, following a young team step-by-step as they try to launch a social enterprise called Loombrick. They're one of six groups shortlisted to win up to $50,000 from the World Vision Social Innovation Challenge. So, last episode, we met Judith, the CEO of Loombrick, who is now sitting in a boardroom alongside four or five other young entrepreneurs in a workshop hosted by a startup community in Toronto called Mars. So... We did cover the 30-second pitch last week. I sort of mentioned, I think, then that we'd give the opportunity for anyone to do it today. Now, the guy you hear is Kevin Taylor. He's a senior associate at the Mars Center for Impact Investing. Send me a note on the chat bot on WebEx. That way I can see that you're interested. And I'll start for now in the room. So do you guys want to do it? Sure. Yes. I mean, you just... Uh, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to time it. Just I won't stop you at the 30 gosh, seconds, but I want sure. you to know how far, how long it took. Mm-hmm. I just want to note that 30 seconds is not that long. It's less than the amount of time you'd sit at a red light and not even enough time to pop a full bag of popcorn. But for an entrepreneur, that can be all the time they have to impress a potential investor with their pitch, which is supposed to include a hook off the top, their mission statement, the problem they're trying to solve, the target customer, the solution and their key differentiator. So let's see if you can catch all of that in Loombrick's pitch. Loombrick is a social energy startup that is developing a solar pelletization machine which transforms agricultural waste into cooking fuel briquettes. We distribute these machines to farmers in sub-Saharan Africa to create briquettes for their community as a sustainable alternative to firewood, which is currently used by over 2 billion people. Our team consists of six young entrepreneurs with backgrounds varying from engineering to business to international development. Okay. 25 seconds. That's great. Now, sure, Judith was within 30 seconds, but did any of that pitch really resonate? Let's break it down. Loombrick is a social energy startup that is developing a solar pelletization machine which transforms agricultural waste into cooking fuel briquettes. Okay, so they're a social enterprise that's going to create a solar-powered machine to take agricultural waste, like corn cobs, and condense it into flammable pellets that can be used as cooking fuel. All right, next. We distribute these machines to farmers in sub-Saharan Africa to create briquettes for their community as a sustainable alternative to firewood, which is currently used by over 2 billion people. So right now, more than 2 billion people in sub-Saharan Africa go out to forests to get firewood so they can cook. Instead, their solar-powered machine would be sold to farmers who can make tons of pellets for their community. Our team consists of six young entrepreneurs with backgrounds varying from engineering to business to international development. And that's pretty self-explanatory. You'll notice that their business sounds like it will have a positive social impact, but it's unclear how they're actually going to sell these machines and make a profit, among other things. With my entrepreneurs that are seeking capital, I usually tell them to focus purely on the team members that are really bringing expertise. That gives them a unique Mm -hmm. position. So if you're in a competition with a bunch of other students, saying that you have a team of students isn't differentiating. It's not adding value. It's not helping you stand out from the crowd. So I, I agree. Like, I don't think it's, it's a critical piece, but and that's, that's purely on the 30-second pitch. When it comes time to receiving awards, investing, the people are what's going to get you that check at the end of the day. Like, 
Every investor invests in the entrepreneur, not the idea. For the record, the other voices at the table are also trying to win the World Vision Social Innovation Challenge, and Kevin gets to guide them all along the way. So the two pieces of feedback on you, I think the speaking, you did go really fast. So there was that and the, the revenue side. So you talked about who your customers were. I don't know if you mentioned how many, and you didn't talk about opportunity in terms of like, what's, you're, you're selling them bricks, they currently have used wood. Mm-hmm. Why are they gonna buy your bricks versus wood? Right. How is that gonna make their lives better? Mm-hmm. How are you gonna make money? So with the impact, and this is where it gets really tricky as an impact company to try to show impact as well as business opportunity right. can be tricky. Uh, so I think there's a, a very clean way to just set that up as with the problem up front because you sort of went into what the business was doing as opposed to saying, here's the problem. There's a bunch of people in, right. in the rural areas that have to spend hours finding, finding wood, and, it's, and they don't find enough. We can sell them at a fraction of the cost, briquettes that will do the job for them. We're the best position, uniquely positioned to do this because of our technology and team mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. and we stand to, we looking at being able to charge X dollars for every person. Sitting at the table, scribbling down notes during all of this is one of Judith's business partners, who is also from McGill University. So my name is Sarah Pellerin. I'm CIO, so Chief Information Officer for Lumbrick. Um, So I'm working on developing our business in Cameroon on site. Her goal is to be able to afford to go to Cameroon so she can build partnerships there for their business. Right now I'm working seven days a week. Um, So a few days, a few hours per week uh, at a bakery slash cafe restaurant place. And then a few hours at a clothing store. And then once a week with my uncle who's a gardener. Uh, and then working on the project in the evenings, if I have time, try to organize my time there. It's a lot, and it's a struggle that Judith knows well. And we joke about it in the team that we're kind of like tortured business people, um, <laughs> if you can call it that, like the tortured artist. But, you know, nobody really understands you, quote unquote. And that's because um, we, we do have to balance uh, these kind of, I guess, responsibilities as in, you know, graduating from school. I mean, I just graduated and, you know, McGill's uh, course load is nothing to sneeze at. So we just kind of had to balance exams with uh, this kind of big project and other commitments as well. Most traditional parents would say, okay, now that you have your degree, go get a job or maybe an internship. And that's exactly how Judith's parents feel, especially since Judith's family immigrated to Canada from China when she was six, hoping for stable job opportunities for her. In my father's perspective, he's somebody who came from the developing region into the developed world. So he's somebody who, through his hard work and, you know, intelligence, uh, brought himself to, you know, a respectable position within Canada. And so for me to want to go back to the developing areas, I think it's quite tough for him to understand you know, he's providing so much for his daughter and she's getting a top-notch education and uh, a lot of luxuries in her life. Why would she want to go back to, you know, a, a place that uh, does not have access to these? Um, and so it's it's quite tough to try to explain this. And at times, you know, I really feel kind of ingrateful, right? So it really, it's, it's a tough, uh, tough, I guess, life decisions. <laughs> so you can see why she's calling herself a tortured artist and why it might be hard to stay motivated. My parents are rather on the discouraging side because they just think, you know, what what are you going to get out of this? Um, what are you, like, you know, it's kind of like 
I seem like somebody that's just stumbling around and not really knowing what she's doing. But I don't know how to describe it, but you really have to give yourself something to be excited about or to keep it moving or it could just go away, you know? So things like technology or a new member or uh, world vision. World vision helps a lot, uh, like the accelerator, the, the, the challenge. Actually, let me just say it, like right now, these um, these accelerators, these programs, these competitions are such, such a great uh, motivation because without them, you're really just a tortured business person. You're like, I have this idea, I'm working towards it, but nobody recognizes it and nobody, you know, it's just really an idea, right? And then on top of all the pressures and sacrifices people like Judith make in order to pursue their big idea, there's the challenge of keeping the business afloat, which of course you can't do without funding. Oh my gosh, funding. Because when you have these big ideas, you don't think about the little kind of funding and everything, but actually a plane ticket to Cameroon, um, you know, a round trip from Toronto to uh, Douala would be $2,000, especially during the summer. So... $2,000 $2,000 and then also accommodations for team members, etc., etc. At first, it was supposed to be three of us were going to go, um, and then it was two, uh, and then now it's just one. <laughs> and that's because they simply don't have the money. They were pulling out all the stops to get funding. Sarah was not only working three jobs, but the team was filling out grant proposals and was even considering a barbecue fundraiser since they didn't have an investor, which was no surprise to Kevin back at Mars. For experienced entrepreneurs who already have a success under their belt and are growing a business, even they have a hard time raising funding successfully. So for investors looking at the impact space in general, and specifically student-led teams, it comes down to relationship. So the only investor that's going to kick money into a company that's early stage, not as well established, with no real traction, is going to be somebody who's really invested in the team. So that, that comes through relationship building like months to years to actually get that in place. So the student teams, I think there's tons of potential, and I could see if they decide to pursue this or other opportunities in the next few years, they'll have tons of, tons of opportunities. But on, at the current state of the current businesses, I think our investors likely would be like, oh, that's cute. And, but not, it's, not, like there's, it's very competitive in Canada especially, and the developing world is still riskier because it's so unknown. So that's, there's challenges, and that's why I love that World Vision sort of putting focus on this and bringing some attention, bringing some capital, and let's, let's show that we can make it work. So yeah, as an entrepreneur, you have to get used to hearing no a lot more than you'd like, but sometimes... So how have you been? Good, how are you guys? We're very great. Um, yeah, maybe let's, we should... Yeah. <laughs> let's get it. Let's get it all. Um, this... Well, first of all, on, I believe it was Wednesday, we received a $2,000 U.S. dollar grant um, for, for Sarah to go over to Cameroon. And so we're just so happy because we planned a lot for it, but now finally it's become a thing. So she's, well, she's searching for airplane tickets right now. Yeah, exactly. So looking to go, um, it's, yeah, really being... It's especially rewarding because it's been pretty difficult to uh, access different grants. So we've applied to many places and had different avenues, but um, a couple of them didn't work out. And so we are really, yeah, struggling to like work on this side and uh, well, still are to fund other parts of it. But um, I think as young entrepreneurs, like that was really 
what is going to enable us to go. So that's huge because yeah. we've been working so, so hard. So. Yeah. so as they're feeling all giddy and excited, I had to ask. And um, your gut feeling right now about the World Vision competition specifically, like you've had some wins along the way. Yeah. How are you feeling about this one? Do you think you're in a good place? I think we've had some good wins, but enough failures that we're still extremely, extremely humble. Um, and always questioning ourselves and always seeking to learn more, seeking mentorship, um, trying to make sure that we're in a good place. So, um, yeah, like I think the other teams are also extremely advanced and, uh, and there's still so much to do. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. And part of what they have to do is reevaluate who exactly is part of their business. But that's for episode three. Pitch for Change is a production of World Vision Canada. I'm Amanda Capito, a communications advisor with World Vision. I'm the producer and editor of the podcast alongside Amanda D'Souza. Sound mixing is by Drew Garner. Josh Fulkema and Robert Garcia are advisors to the show. For behind-the-scenes pictures from the podcast, check out worldvision.ca slash podcast. Podcast.